When I was an army chaplain, my soldiers asked me all kinds of questions about God, life, relationships, the Bible, and answered them as best I could. They also called me Padre. Welcome to the Dear Padre podcast. It's good to be back with you. I've My iPad broke last week, and so I have been unable to record uh, podcasts all week, although I've been actively re- speaking and teaching in the usual way at morning prayer on Zoom, nine o'clock central time. If you ever want to join our little prayer group on Zoom at 9 a.m. every day, please let me know. Send an email to runnermonk at gmail.com or you're certainly welcome to contact me through Twitter, Facebook, or any other way. And I'll get you linked up with that so you can hear it live. Thank you for listening. I'm glad you're here. A reading from the Gospel according to Matthew chapter 14. Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but by this time the boat, battered by the waves, was far from land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. When he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Sometimes Jesus forces you into the boat. That's what the text says. Jesus made his disciples get into the boat. Kind of strange how that's worded. In the Greek language that this is originally written in, it's definitely a forceful command. He forces them into the boat. He compels them to get into the boat. Now, he's using his own authority as their teacher and Lord. It brings up an interesting point to me that following Jesus is following a person who you have to give your will over to. This is always going to be hard for people to give your will over to someone else's will. That's what it means to follow Jesus as Lord. 
It doesn't mean we give our will over to just anybody in church authority or anything like that. It means that we give our will over to Jesus. And sometimes Jesus demands that we get into the boat. This is always going to cut against the narratives of our modern age of individualism. We're always going to struggle with this as progressive Christians, modern Christians, that there is a compelling that Jesus does to us. And I think you know what I mean. You find this out when you wonder how you got here. You wonder what you did to deserve this. You wondered why if I was doing what I thought was right, why would this happen to me? It is the age-old question of every one of Jesus' disciples. If this was supposed to be the kingdom of God, how did I end up in this boat? We end up in various boats in our life, some of our own choosing, some of other people's choosing, and some of Jesus' choosing. And the boat that these disciples end up in is a very tumultuous one. It is a boat that is going to be tossed by the wind and the waves, and Jesus is not there. He is not in the boat with his disciples. And they go across, and it's battered by the waves and the storm that comes up. The wind was against them. When we talk about wind in a body of water, we are talking about waves. Wind produces waves in the water. And I know from paddleboarding that even the smallest amount of wind can produce some pretty big waves. And this boat is starting to fall apart. It is starting to go down. And they are becoming desperate. Early in the morning, before the sun comes up, it's still dark, the fourth watch of the night. Jesus comes to them walking on the sea. There is a uh, British Army Chaplain School joke. At the British Army Chaplain School, there is a um, pond there, as there are many ponds over there. And there's a sign by the pond, please do not walk on the water. When I taught at the U.S. Army Chaplain School in South Carolina, I wished there was a pond there that I could put the sign up, but there wasn't. The chaplain school is kind of on the side of a hill with no natural body of water around it. Please do not walk on the water. And their immediate response to Jesus's arrival on the water is, it's a ghost. The word in Greek is phantom, phantasma. It is not real. He is not real. Not only has Jesus abandoned them, but now he's scaring them. I don't know if your life ever feels this way. Not enough that you suffer loss and fear and might go down with a ship. But furthermore, it's terrifying. And it seems like Jesus is scaring you. 
that his institution, the church, is putting demands on you that you can't bear or whatever it is. I'm not sure how this works out in my life all the time. But I know that at the root of my anxiety is a terrifying fear, a fear that I'll be alone, a fear that I'll be unloved, a fear that I won't be respected, a fear that I'll be disgraced, a fear that I'll be living my whole life trying to do something good. And in fact, the opposite will happen. These fears that we carry with us that are all centered around this question of, does our life have meaning? Will it ever be good again? Jesus is now scaring his disciples. They cried out in fear. It takes a lot to have a grown-up cry out in fear out loud. The wind is howling. The waves are crashing. The boat is going up and down. They're yelling at each other, and now they're scared. Things just can't get any worse. Jesus knows this, and so he immediately tells them to take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. As he uses to tell them to take heart is uh, to be warmed up, to have courage, to be warm in your heart, to have a burning inside you that says you have the confidence to press on. It is I, do not be afraid. He tells them to not be afraid. You only have to tell people to not be afraid if they are afraid. And it doesn't always work all that well. But Peter, we get a glimpse of his bold personality who then wants to try it himself. It is not not enough for Peter to observe and acknowledge things. He needs to experience them. He wants to experience what Jesus is experiencing. He says this over and over again in the Gospels, that he wants to experience everything that Jesus is going through. And Jesus questions him, can you really handle it? And here we have a little glimpse of that. If it's you, Jesus, command me to come on the water. Here we have Peter testing Jesus, testing to see whether he really is who he says he is. And Jesus says, come. He starts to get out of the boat and walk on the water. What does it feel like to walk on water? Is it slippery? Is it like ice? Is it like jello? Is it like concrete? Hard to know. But he's there on the water and he notices the strong wind. He gets overwhelmed by the noise and the the wind and the waves. And he becomes frightened. I mean, he wasn't frightened before. I'd be frightened before, long before I got out of that boat. And he cries out, Lord, save me, as he starts to sink. And Jesus catches him. Jesus climbs in the boat with them and they worship him. Truly you are the son of God. Here we see what the church really is. The church is this leaky boat 
that's about to go down. And Jesus is not here. And we're scared. Because we're all in this boat together. And we're not sure that we're going to make it all the time. And we see ghosts, ghosts from our past that haunt us. Memories, regrets, fears, anxieties. When you walk into a new church, you're bringing with you all the ghosts from your last church and the ones before. All the hurts and feelings of shame and doubt and fear. And we're bringing that all into the boat. And then in the darkest hour of the night, Jesus shows up, addresses our fear. And then church becomes a place of experimentation, of love and of faith. Can we risk it all? Can we have more faith? Can we believe that relationships that are broken can be healed? Can we believe that things that have never worked out in our lives can really come back together? Can we believe that there's going to be good in the world? Can we believe that we'll survive this climate apocalypse that is coming upon us? Can we believe that there is a solution to racism and bigotry and discrimination against other people of other races, of, of people that are black in America? Can we really believe that LGBTQ people can be fully included in the common life of our world in the church where they don't face persecution and criminal penalties around the world? Can we really have any hope for this world, for our lives, for the stuff that we deal with? And that, that is the experiment of the church is, is to say, in this place, we're going to try that. We're going to try to have a social hierarchy that is not based on money, that is not based on what we all bring to the table. We're not going to try to um, develop a world inside the church that is just like the world outside the church. Inside this leaky boat, the kingdom of God is here. And we fall and we fail and we cry out again, Jesus, save me, Jesus, save me. And then he climbs into the boat. And we worship him. That is what we are doing in church. That's it. All the other stuff, you know, is important. And we have to do it. And we need to do it. But ultimately, this is the church. This storm-tossed boat where we worship Jesus. And we practice our faith. And we lean out a little further over the sides into love and we step onto that water knowing that he will hold us up and when we fall and we get scared we say Jesus save me when he's in the boat we worship when he's not we cry out it's real simple and you're doing it you're doing it every day because Jesus is doing it through us. We have great hope for this world, but it is hope based on a miracle, not on our own efforts, not on our own brilliance. None of these things ultimately matter all that much. What matters is love, loving our neighbor as ourself, loving God with our whole heart, applying love to every single situation that we come across, and then feeling the grip of that strong hand as we go down under the water. Amen.
Grant us, Lord, we pray, the Spirit to think and do always those things that are right, that we who cannot exist without you may by you be enabled to live according to your will. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.